This morning, we welcome you to the series on the names of God. The incredible thing about the names of God is each name of God reveals an aspect of who he is and how he relates to his people. God's relevance to our situation. So if I need healing, I know that he is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals me. If I need a shepherd, he's Jehovah Rohi. If I need salvation, he's Jehovah M. Kadesh, and on and on. There's over 85 names in the Bible that gives God a different name just to encourage you and I. So today we're going to look at another name. Look at your neighbor and say, we are not going to cover all 85. Amen. Today is one. This morning I want to speak to you for... A few minutes on God's best is still to come. Look at your neighbor and say, God's best is still to come. Out of Exodus 15, and we're going to travel a few other places. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, glory and holiness, fearful in praises and doing wonders? You lead the people you have redeemed. That word right there makes him goel. Everyone say goel. Easy way to explain it is like noel, but goel. Those people that you have redeemed, oh great goel, our redeemer. And you guide us with strength. Is anyone happy that he guides us with his strength? Can you say amen this morning? The God who redeems. In Genesis 50 and 20, a verse that will come at the end of our study, Joseph, when Joseph stands up to his brothers and says what you meant for evil. And that's what we say over your life today about our Redeemer. What the enemy meant for evil, God meant it for good. Can you give him a shout of praise in this house? And Joseph goes on to save many people alive, meaning what the enemy came against me with, God has used it now to save others. With Joseph's life, he saved a nation. You and I are saving people with our lives. So let me tell you this morning before I pray, he can birth a nation in a day. He can turn the seas into dry ground. And he most certainly can restore and rebuild faster and more effectively than the destroyer can destroy. Can I get a man? Keep believing in a God who makes all things new for you. Keep believing in the Lord who redeems us. The Lord who takes what was meant for evil in our life and he recycles that pain. He separates it and he takes it and then he buys us back. The best is yet to come. Again, you've not seen the best yet. Someone say hallelujah. 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 Father, we welcome your presence in this room. Holy Spirit, come and do what you do best. Speak through your servant. I ask you to come. You are greater than Obi-Wan Kenobi, and I am your little Luke Skywalker. Come, Holy Spirit, and do what only you can do. Speak to my brothers and sisters, those that have become a great army that listens to us on podcasts, those in this room. Minister to them wherever they are, in their car, in their home, and minister to my household of faith in this room this morning. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Goel, Redeemer, one who rescues. We are pretty fascinated as a country about rescue stories. 1987, a little girl named Jessica fell down 22 feet beneath the service, 18 knots, and she was in a well, and the world watched. It tore my heart out because she was 
was close to my daughter Courtney's age. We watched for those hours, 58 hours that little Jessica was trapped in a well in Midland, Texas. We watched as the rescue teams and their sweaty brows and their nonstop with lights in the middle of the night. We watched as they spoke to her as she was such a little 18-month-old girl down there in that well and they kept encouraging her. Jessica, we're coming for you, darling. Jessica, we're going to get you out. I'm so thankful today, Pastor Ramon, that my Redeemer, when I was trapped in a well of sin or when I'm trapped in a well of fear and discouragement, I hear the songs of faith that say, hold on, salvation is coming. We are fascinated with rescue stories, but that comes from the name Jesus, Yeshua in Hebrew, which actually means one who rescues, who delivers, and who saves. And I say to you this morning, we love to watch people being rescued. When we see the uh, Nacogdoches River that I floated with Pastor Hank down override, and we see people young people holding on to trees while they're trying to swim across to get them or a single mother's car is overwhelmed with water there's nothing better than the feeling when you see men or women crossing the waters and crossing the great divide and crossing the situation and when they get them and they get them out you see the tears from those being rescued we don't know who we love more the one who rescues or the one who is rescued but I say to you today King Jesus is ever in the business of rescuing and restoring and redeeming and what he's done before he will do again. Somebody give him praise in this house this morning. Morris Chapman, someone dear to me I met. That's another funny story at a praise and worship conference I took the team to that I led years ago. He has a great song called I Will Restore. These are the words. What was lost in battle, what was taken unlawful where the enemy has planted his seed and where health is ailing and where strength is failing. The Lord says, I will restore to you all of this and more where your heart is breaking and where dreams are forsaken when it seems that what was promised will not be given to you and where peace is confusion and reality is an illusion I the Lord say I will restore to you all this and more can you give King Jesus a praise this morning redeem means to set right someone say set right it means something that was lost or taken back, but it means to pay a price and to set that thing right. Our Redeemer sets things right. It didn't just happen at Calvary, but if you're like me, it happens weekly that he sets things at right. We see one of the examples, we're going to a New Testament story, but we see one of the examples of Goel in the book of Hosea. One of Pastor Hank's favorite passages where he marries an adulterous prostitute and thinks God says marry her they have children but she forsakes him and she goes back into prostitution and she goes back into the life and she lives it at the highest place you can read Hosea's words and his murmurings to God and then all all of a sudden God says to Hosea go to the slave auction and buy back Gomer wouldn't you love to be named Gomer thank God you weren't born in that century come on now Go and redeem back. I'm going to call my daughters Gomer. No. Go and redeem Gomer from the slave auction. 
go and take them. Misty, there's a bag in my purse. Would you get it out and bring it to me? It's a black clear bag. Sorry, I forgot that. Go and redeem her. Go and buy her back because when you do, you will be an example of Jesus the Messiah. He didn't say it that way, but commentators and theologians who study these stories, we call it um, type and shadows, but let me make it real clear because I'm an exhorter and I don't like deep stuff. A paints a picture. When God paints a picture and says, you see, this is happening, this is what you can expect from me. You see what is happening. And I can't even imagine as Hosea counts his money. I can just imagine his dismay. Here he is a prophet of God. I mean, if anybody's going to have a good wife, it's a prophet. Come on, somebody. If anybody's going to have an easy situation, but he begins to count out his money. I'm human, so I feel the things that people felt in the Bible and I can just see him he had to come up with 30 shekels he could only come up with 15 silver pieces and he paid the rest in grain I can imagine his dismay as he's like God are you sure she's done nothing but hurt me she has humiliated me I'm a prophet she has given herself to more men than anyone could count and now she's being sold at a slave auction and you're asking me a prophet to walk I can't even imagine but you see God says yes Hosea go and be the Goel go and redeem her the ironic thing is 30 pieces of silver is exactly what Judas sold Jesus Christ for 30 pieces of silver is exactly the deception and the deceit that we do despise about Judas who walked with Jesus who talked with Jesus who betrayed him with a kiss and took that 30 pieces of silver. Hosea made that walk because God wanted to say, I want you to see that I am the Lord, your Redeemer. There is no man or woman that is ever too lost. There is no one being sold at the auction of sin or fear or dread that I, the Lord, cannot buy back and purchase. There is no situation you're going through today that Goel, the Lord, your Redeemer, cannot purchase and change somebody give him praise this morning he said yes Hosea Hosea goes has to gather his grain because he can't even come up with the money and he buys her he buys her off the slave auction where they had her selling her like a piece of meat he takes the chains off of her he picks up her slave garment and he throws it away and then the Lord said to him this is a powerful meaning of Goel it will be said about Gomer in the place that it was said of her on the auction block in that season that you went through in your life of fear dread or an attack or just a hard place it was said in those moments she was not the people of God but I the Lord say now it will be said of her she is my daughter and she is my people is there anybody in this room that thanks God that once it was said about you in your trial it was said about you in your circumstance where is your God if 
you belong to him, why are you going through that? But the heavens begin to shout out, you've not seen anything yet. I will restore. And the Lord said, I will speak tenderly to Gomer in the wilderness. I will lure her back to me. I will comfort her and I will restore her. You see the word restoration, which is what the Redeemer does, is to take someone of royal bloodline and restore them. Like if there was no heir to a medieval uh, throne, they would search for somebody that was out there hidden and they would restore them. That's what he did for her and that's what our Goel, our Redeemer, he gave our life back to us. Ephesians 2 and 6, he has made us to sit in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. He restored us to the throne room of the almighty God. Somebody give him a praise today. I wonder, does your pain have an address? Does your situation have a date? 15391 Balboa Street, forever in my brain. Where Jesus took me back, not for today, but I'll share some of that when we talk about him as the healer. Took me back and walked me through the pain of living with a drug addict. The pain of losing everything. When he came back in and healed me, he gave my life back to me. And the beautiful song I sang to my husband at our second wedding, we don't count the first, we just throw that out in the trash. But the second wedding was God bless you. You make me feel brand new. You gave my life back to me. It was honoring him, but it was honoring King Jesus. For the word says in Psalms 137, O people of God, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy and abundant redemption, and he shall redeem all all your iniquities someone say all he redeems us from the hand of the enemy psalms 10610 in him we have redemption through blood in him he recycles the evil in our life the bad decisions the mess ups the failures the bondages the fears the depression the things we've gone through and he recycles them and he makes them something good but this morning at the end of this message you're going to have to give him you can recycle in a natural world you can divide all your stuff up put it in a garage and it can sit there for a hundred years come on somebody never take it out to the edge of the street so it can be picked up you see this morning we've got to categorize this is what I need Jesus to redeem in my life and recycle but then I've got to give it to him and say not what they said on the road to Emmaus we had hoped you were the redeemer of Israel they were talking to king redeemer in that moment sometimes we had hoped he was the redeemer he comes to us today to say to you I am the redeemer I'm coming to restore hope I'm coming to say anything I've done anywhere I can do for you someone give him a shout of praise Jesus the redeemer appeared in Luke 24 36 to his disciples the interesting thing Tanner they had locked the doors for fear King Jesus just knocked the Hell out of the grave. I hope that's not cussing to you. The Bible says it. I will too. He knocked the Gehenna in Hispanic. One of the few words I know. He knocked it out and there they are locked in fear. Isn't that like you and I sometimes? He has redeemed so much for us. And we lock our doors for fear. Oh, we lock our doors to loving people, giving, doing things because we've been hurt. They were so hurt. They were so dismayed. I mean, their hopes had been that he had been the redeemer and everything's just gone crazy. 
And there he is. But he said these things to him. them. He stood. He walked through the walls. Someone say he walked through the walls. Anybody had but me had King Jesus to walk through the walls that you locked up and he came right on in. Someone say glory. He stood in the midst of them. But they were terrified and they were frightened. Here's King Jesus. And they're just scared like a bunch of, we won't say it. And, and suppose that they had seen a ghost. And he said to them, why are you troubled? Why are you troubled? Here I am. I'm your redeemer. Why do doubts arise in your heart? Behold my hands and my feet. It is me. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he said this, he showed them his hands, his scars, his feet. But while they still did not believe for joy, but they marveled. And then he said, I'm hungry. Give me something to eat. Come on. And they served him fish, proving that Jesus is not begging. But I'll move on right now, okay? <laughs> At any rate, he showed them his hands and his feet. What he was saying is what King Jesus is saying to you I this morning is our Goel, our Redeemer. I know you thought it was over. I know you thought that it was finished. But it's time for you to get a fresh revelation of my hands and my feet and see what I can do now. Can I get an amen? Not what I've done in the past. Just when you thought you've seen it all. Because they had seen him heal the leper. They had seen him raise the dead. They had seen him heal fevers. They had seen him touch sickness. But look at me now, Jesus says. Look at my hands. The same hands have more to give you than I've ever given you before. The same feet have the power to take you to places you never thought you could go. To us today, he says, post-2020, post everything that's wrong in our country. Can I get an amen? Post a heartbreak, post a battle, post a victory. That means past it, past a trial. He says, you know what? I'm not done giving to you and I'm not done taking you to places you never thought you could be taken to. Someone give Jesus a praise. This is the challenge to you and I this morning from Goel, our Redeemer. He stood there as the Redeemer and says, I still have things I want to do for you. I have places I want to take you. I'm going to tell you, God's hand brought you here today in a way you couldn't even imagine. If you look back over your life, God did things that you can't even imagine. But I'm going to tell you, he's also done things that your elementary school teacher, if you're like me, never could imagine. Can I get an amen? I mean, you know those commentators? I mean, you probably are like, she's perfect, he's perfect, he's perfect. My teachers did not say that to me. In fact, my parents were more pleasantly surprised and shocked when I came out of the gate preaching and doing the things I do. They're like, my God, if he can't do a miracle, come on somebody. Because my teachers were like, she won't study. She wants to talk all the time. They didn't know I was going to be a communicator. Come on. The high school people, she's this and she's that. I'm going to tell you something. Hosea walked Gomer past all of her critics to free her. Hosea walked Gomer past everyone that said she'll never get out of this. It'll never turn around for her. It'll never get better. He walked her past every one of those people and he clothed her with a royal robe. I'm going to tell you right now God can walk you past and confound your critics and bless the heart of those who believed in you prayed for you and said the world may say there's nothing there but I see in you greatness somebody give King Jesus a shout of praise that's the king this is an invitation just when you thought you've seen it all just when you thought you've experienced it all Look at my hands again, King Jesus says to us. 
You think I've peeked out? You think I've come to the end of what I'm going to do? See me with eyes of faith this morning, says the Lord to you right now. Look at my hands and see the things you can't imagine to give you, to bless you. The blessing that we often say at the end comes from the priestly blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. The Jewish priest always raised their hand toward the people when they begin to pronounce that blessing because that blessing comes from the hand of God. It might come through someone speaking, but you would do well every day to say, the Lord bless you and put your name in there. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. The Lord be gracious unto you. When you feel a little discouraged and a little funked up and a little dory and whatever hunky, whatever it works for you, you need to say over yourself, I do it often, you are blessed and highly favored. The Lord from on high has called you. He blesses you. He speaks to you. At the end of my husband's uh, home going Daystar chose the songs the Lord bless you as only they could sing and I had shouted and danced through the whole service because I had cried for two weeks but I dropped to my knees and the spirit of the Lord came over me I could not speak English I began to worship under such anointing my best friend of 40 years who walked with me through my inner healing knelt on the floor and grabbed my hand and she said while she worshipped while she lost control of her language that the spirit of the Lord took her on a kaleidoscope of 740 Walker where I was healed into the future and she began to declare and I declare I don't understand this but in your worst moment you must say to yourself the Lord bless me the Lord keep me the Lord make his face shine upon me the Lord be gracious and lift up his countenance upon me somebody give him a shout they thought it was over but suddenly he appeared and breathed hope he breathed faith again. He breathed risk, risk again. Come on. Jesus is calling on someone this morning. Step back on faith. Step back in hope. I can do something greater in this season of your life than you ever thought. My hands and my feet. But what we have to do is, as people of God, help us, Lord, conquer our complacency. Master our mediocrity. Because we are a people who settle well. There's one thing about being a content but not satisfied. There's one thing that we've got to do and loose ourselves from our lukewarmness that Revelation talks about that will be the last evil of the church. Never settle for good when you know God has the best. Come on, somebody. Still has good things for us. I tell single people, I don't care if you're 45 and you hadn't married. Don't marry some Becky Bow or Sally Soul. Don't marry someone that's just going to be a settle. At least I got married. Well, I've counseled those people that just got married to get married. I've seen the hell they walked through. But anybody who did not jump into it but waited like the Haggards and the Cooks, the Browns and others, they saw that God had the best for them. You can wait and let God, but don't settle into settling for something you should not settle for. Someone give King Jesus a praise. We can't settle into our challenges. And make that our calling card. That what we're known for. Blind Bartimaeus could go on forever as blind Bartimaeus. But he didn't. Mary Magdalene the demoniac. She could just know Mary demoniac. Mary demoniac. Mary demoniac. But she chose to be aligned with Jesus. You know if we're not careful. We live so long in darkness. We don't even know how to dream any higher anymore. The Hope House girls ever since 2010 that I've gone out there. 
those that have been there, especially in the early years, I would say, where do you see yourself in three years? And they would always say free from addiction. And yet that's the ultimate goal. But I said, let's dream a little bigger than that. Let's dream you own in your house owning your own house. Let's dream you keeping a job. Let's dream about you sitting on the front porch as a grandmother at 80 years old while your grandchildren come to see and hear the story of she who was in addiction for 12 years but got free in Jesus. Don't settle. Don't learn to live in the darkness. Give Jesus a hand clap of praise. Don't learn to live in shame, to live in disadvantage. Even things that have tried to define our life. He is the Lord, your Redeemer. Jehovah Goel. He sees you. He knows you. Nothing that we've done has disqualified us. People may label you, but He defines you by His redemption. He defines you by the Lord. Our Redeemer is His name. In fact, one scripture says, Our Redeemer is strong. Give King Jesus a shout of praise. Come on. He is strong. You don't have to live in failure. You don't have to live in disappointment. You don't have to live in defeat. You don't have to live in bondage or addiction. God can recycle what the enemy intended for evil and turn it for good so you too can save many lives. Someone give King Jesus a shout of praise. Josh, come help me and we'll travel a little bit. Tanner, I still may be calling on you, so get ready. Look at your neighbor and say, he is my redeemer. There's not one person in this room. I'm, I'm, I'm just brought him up to set the atmosphere. As you know, that doesn't mean I'm headed to the altar here. Not a person in this room that doesn't have challenges. We can tuck them away and not talk about them. But what if they could improve the life of someone else? One reason I'm so honest, I learned it really from Pastor Hank. I mean, I grew up in much religion. He shook every religious tree off of me. I mean, he did. I mean, he's like, You're, it's okay not to be okay. He had all these statements. Mark Batterson, a, a prolific author and very known uh, pastor in D.C., who's a friend of mine only because I was on a Joni show with him and we got some private time and a luncheon and he was shocked how many things I could say back to him because I loved the research that he had written. But he has a classic statement that Celebrate Recovery uses and I love it. He says, we should not waste our difficulties. If you let God do his work, he'll recycle your pain for someone else's gain. He doesn't mean that bad things are good because they're not. Bad things aren't good. In fact, Romans 8 and 28 says, We know, everyone say we know, that God causes all things to work together for our good. Look at your neighbor and say all things. Now, that doesn't mean independently. The things that my divorce does not work for my good, but along with other things, it does. It's just like if I was going to make you a cake, which, you know, mama, but men pastors have done cooking things up here too, so I'm not going to stereotype myself. Some things by themselves are bitter. Like who just goes in and says, I'm going to eat myself a raw egg right now. It's going to be delicious. I'm just going to call me. I've been waiting all day for this raw egg. Oh, salmonella, here you come. Come on now, baby. Then we go over to baking soda. I'm going to eat me a whole box of baking soda. It's just delicious. Yum, yum, yum. Yeah. Oh, that's baking soda up there. Sorry. I'm going to eat flour. I love flour. Flour by itself is so beautiful. You'll choke. Go home and try to eat you some flour. Then you'll be calling 911 or someone. Even unsweetened cocoa is terrible. I mean, vegetable oil. Let's get real. These are ingredients of a cake in case you didn't know. 
Vegetable oil may smell good on pop popcorn, but I challenge you, do the vegetable oil challenge, but don't put it on Facebook. Go drink yourself a cup of vegetable oil. You're going to be sick. It tastes like junk. It smells like junk. Come on. Coconut oil doesn't, olive oil doesn't, but vegetable oil. But these things, when they come together and they stir together, they're bitter together. But when they come together, I was up all night baking this for you. It's an act of service. I had to do it. I told Pastor Todd this morning, this is from Publix, okay? Um, I should ask Mama Joyce to cook and hit cake. We'll do that next time, and I'm going to take it home. Um, but I told Pastor Todd it was with great restraint. I did not dig into this chocolate ganache. But you see, when God causes things to come together, they form something sweet and delicious. But only if we let God cause them. You can do whatever you do. Read self-help. Go to a thousand life coaches. Follow people on Instagram. Get your Enneagram, your Holy Ma'am, your Shalafam, whatever. Study it. Yeah, I'm a number four with a wing of a seven. I'm a number two with a wing of a three. Some of you are like, what in the world is she talking about? Don't worry about it. You can do all of that. But none of that's going to cause the things in your life to be used for good. Only when you allow God to take those things and make them taste sweet and good and holy. Egg by itself is bitter. My divorce by itself is bitter. Losing my husband by itself like flour is bitter. Drinking oil like that bankruptcy you may have gone through with that loss or that prodigal child, it's bitter. But when God is giving all those things and he mixes it with his divine sovereignty and the healing blood of Jesus Christ, he puts them together and he forms them to be something sweet to someone, something holy to someone, something that brings someone out of a pit. Because what if you could lend an ear of support to someone who no one else understands because you've been there? What if you have some wisdom that only you can give because you've been through that dark valley? What if a mistake in your own life has grown you as a person and you could be better because of that illness, that disaster, that situation? Your most painful memories and mine don't have to be our defining moments. When we put them into the grand design, you're not designing your life. It's not on you. It's on the King Redeemer, the Almighty God. When He comes in and He begins to mix them with His Word and mix them with worship he begins to prepare something that's healing it's life saving like Joseph you will save people and nations maybe over the next few days you need to keep your ears open someone may have a question of support maybe you've been through something like Paul wrote because of the power of God you have an invisible scar that you've mixed in with the word you've mixed in with worship you've mixed in with the power of the almighty God and he says to your critics he says to those that hurt I'm mixing this by the blood of my son I'm preparing something that's holy something that's good something that's going to save many lives for Christ comforts us in our trouble so we can comfort others with the same comfort we have received somebody give King Jesus a hand in this house come on come on I'm close to being done. Praise Him. 
I told you in December at the oddest moment, I was sitting at a table of about 12 household name ministers. Perry and Pam were with me. Steve Muncie was there. I'm saving the name of the couple I've mentioned before because podcasts are going out. and I, Everyone knows that, but it's not my story to tell. Sitting at that dinner, I didn't even want to go because I didn't want to go by myself. It was all couples. It was so soon and still grieving pastor so much. Well, I still am, and, but been grieving my chief elder, Marcus, who I love so dearly. First one to ever recognize my ministry outside of Pastor Hope. Pam said, come on, Rhonda, come on. Come on, it won't be like that. It won't be like that. Well, then end up being like 10 or 12 people. Steve Muncie was there. If you've never seen Steve Muncie minister, you must look him up because he's a hootin' nanny. And a powerful church in Indiana, known all around the world. And we're all sitting there at this big table, and people are talking, and then someone says something, and this person, this couple that have some children in addiction through our household names, pastor one of the biggest churches. He's probably the number one podcast, but... They said, what, what's going on? What's your, and, and Pam says, tell them your story, Rhonda. Tell them your story. So I told them my story, and as I did, I kept trying to give it back because there was 10 people, and they're waiting for Perry Stone and Steve Muncie to debate the Trinity. And I said, oh, I don't want to. I mean, I wanted to hear that too. It never happened. But I said, I don't want to. They said, no, please. And Steve Muncie leaned in on his, I mean, I thought I'd have been intimidated just to be in his presence. He leaned in. He just, he just faces me. Tell me everything. I want to hear everything. Tell us, God's in here right now. And I told him, Perry and Pam kept throwing in parts that I would forget, like Marcus and Joni have always, always did. And when I was done, this one couple that's so known, just tears streaming down their face, said, we've got several kids in addiction. Our hearts have been broken. Things that we can't even share. And it's funny, I just started talking to them, and then the next morning that group went downstream to just this couple, Perry and Pam and I, and the pilots of the planes, and... Uh, Again, they said, tell us, will you tell me a little bit more? Will you tell me a little bit more who you've seen get free? Will you tell me a little bit more how your husband did that? Will you tell me a little bit more? In that moment, I thought, isn't that just like it? Sometimes we want to be known for our trophies. And King Jesus says, no, I want you to be known for your scars. You know, we think we're going to just come into something with such a big, bold thing. That's really not what people care about. People care about people that have been through something and are willing to talk about it. People care about someone saying, I've been here. Let me tell you something. God called you. He chose you not because in spite of who you are, but because of who you are. And when he touches you, when he anoints you, he anoints the broken places. He breaks it. He takes the brokenness, the bread. He breaks it. He blesses it. And he gives it to other people. And he begins to say, this is what I can do when you trust in me. Give him a hand clap of praise in this room. I'm going to tell you something. Whatever you have need, you've not seen God's best yet. There was a little man who was so short, and his name was Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. Okay, if you didn't go to Sunday school, you missed those great songs. They'll stick with you to the day you crossed the Jordan. Come on. But he was so short. But what I love, Joel, is... When Israel was rebuilding Israel, because it had been burnt to the ground, Tanner, I believe, my imagination, my creativity, that some man just said, I think we need a tree right here. And Theophilus, his friend, said, why do we need that tree right there? I don't know. I just think a tree needs to go right here. Let's put a tree here. You see, it looked very natural. 
But years ahead, God was planting the tree. So when Zacchaeus did not have the provision to seek Jesus, he wanted to see him, but he was a wee little man. When he wanted to see him, God worked way ahead to provide the tree in the ordinary of planting a tree in the natural. I'm going to tell you something. God will go ahead of you. He will provide like Zacchaeus. He knew before you were born whether you were conceived in a back seat or whether you were conceived in holy matrimony. He planted trees of provision. He planted peace and strength and hope and joy ahead of you. Anytime you need to get to King Jesus, he's going to make it happen. I'm going to tell you when Satan, the last time you went through anything and he was planting your demise and he was saying the book of, of, of Second Kings talks about Satan's warlords talking about what they're going to do to people of God and God just gets emotionally and divinely ticked and he stands up and he says I hear what you're saying I know where you sit I know where you stand and arise what he was saying is you go ahead and plan the demise of my people. But while you plan it, I've already planned the deliverance of my people. You go ahead and think you've got this going on. But let me tell you, I've already planned the moment I will deliver them. I've already planted the tree. I've already put into the heart of an author to write a book, to someone to sing a song. I've already put the date when I will deliver them. Let me tell you, King Jesus, your Redeemer, knows everything and he's already working ahead of anything that will come against you. Somebody give him a shout of praise. I remember the date and this story has been told so I'm not uncovering anyone. December the 21st, 2014. My youngest daughter Christine and I were riding home from Erlanger where Angel and Courtney had been for 10 days with a high risk pregnancy waiting on Skyler. I was weary and I was tired. And we thought the next day we might be there for a long time. It was raining so hard. It's just funny how, I don't know about you, but these moments, you, you remember. And Christine began to open up her heart to me. She shared this testimony on large stages. I'm not going to give the details, but how the enemy had oppressed her horribly. It's some things that God was trying to speak to me. And even Susan had had a dream revealing it and, re and revealing the deliverance. John Paul Jackson interpreted it and said this thing is not going to come to its fruition but I didn't know what it was for some reason that night the spirit of the Lord pushed Christine if it was December 2014 she was 13 years old and she told her mama everything while she cried so hard I remember just thinking it's so late it's raining so hard and I just want to pull off the road and die because this is killing me how the enemy had oppressed her mind this precious pastor's daughter who loved King Jesus and used her gifts but how he had just oppressed her we drove and she talked and I listened and we talked and I listened when we pulled into the driveway everything started clicking about the dream Susan had everything started to come together about what John Paul said and in that moment when we pulled into the driveway I was about as ticked at the devil as I could be I reached over after the car was in park about one in the morning I grabbed her underneath me and I said I serve notice on you Satan this very day you have squatted on my daughter's property you have intervened and you have done what is not right this is a daughter 
daughter of the most high God and I break your power I break your attack I break this thing in the name of Jesus as we both cried and cried and cried that thing was broken that night and she has told that testimony and others preachers kids have come to freedom because of that I'm going to tell you something God had the date on his calendar the first time the enemy went after her in 2012 God had the date on the calendar that he was going to bring the deliverance Goel the Lord our redeemer you haven't seen anything yet give him one more praise Tanner come up and get ready in a moment give Tanner a hand God already has your best day ahead of you. Don't say God can't do it. Don't say God can't use you. Don't say God can't do miracles. Don't say the best is behind you. Don't say greater days are behind you. Don't tell me that God can't take your weakness and turn it to a strength. You've not seen God's best yet. Paul wrote, eyes have not seen and ears have not heard. Neither has it entered into the thoughts of what God has prepared for them who are one with him. See his hands again today. See his feet and the favor he will release for you. You may wish you had more, you know, PhDs behind your name, but I'm going to tell you something. God can anoint your words. The disciples were ordinary men, but they said they sound like those who have in our vernacular PhDs. They talk like people that have been in schooling. They had not been to school. They were rabbi flunkouts in the law of that day, but all they did was spend time with Jesus. You may think you wish you were smarter, cuter, more degrees, more this, more that. And he says, I'm going to give you the word to sustain weary. If God has ever set you free before, he can set you free again. Whatever he has done before, he can do again. If he's ever opened doors in the past, he now wants to open up doors that you've never dreamed that he could do. Anything he has ever done before, he can do it again. Come on, somebody. Anything he has done anywhere else. Revival is hitting the other nations of the world. Don't you dare give up on America. Don't you dare say it's over. Because if revival has hit the isles of India, they shall hit the isles of the United States of America. And God says, see what I can do. You know, drop out for just a second, Josh. When I'm married pastor, i got to come back and finish something. When I married Pastor and I traveled to Evangelist, he had this song. And it went like this. And then he sang it and he made it for harvest. He's God in California. He's God in Tennessee. There you go. He's God right here at harvest. He's God all over me. And I know God is God. Sing it. God don't ever change. I know God is God. And he always will be God. He's God on the platform. He's God back at the door. He's God in the amen corner. He's God all over the floor. I know God is God. And God don't ever change. I know God is God. And he always will be God. Come on, stand. He's God, lightning clashes. He's God when the thunder roars. He's God way down in Texas. He's God in this very room. I know God is God. And he always will be God. I know God is God. 
and he always will be God. Keep it going. I'm telling the early days of harvest, we used to sing that song. We dance and shout and praise the Lord. His glory would be poured out. I know God is still God. We haven't seen anything yet. I know God is still God. Always will be God. He's God on the platform. He's God back at the door. He's God in the amen corner. He's God all over the floor. I know God is God. And he always will be God. I know God is God. And he always will be God. Now give him a big shout of praise. Give Tanner a praise. Just keep standing. Thank you, Tanner. Because I don't want you to say that the best day, hang with me, is behind you. I don't want you to say that the best things that have happened have happened. As Josh comes. Thank you, Josh. You see, he says, son, come and see my hands and see my feet. When you go to Israel, they call it the beautiful land is the, the scripture, but they call it the holy land because Jesus was there. He's not there anymore. But you can see the places where he was. It's awesome. I hope to go back next year. He guide, your guide will tell you, this is where the Beatitudes took place. This is where the pool of Bethesda. This is where miracles and the resurrection. This is where Jesus was. But you know what? Jesus isn't there now. Jesus is in heaven and the Holy Spirit through Jesus is here right now. He's here right now. Did you hear me? King Jesus makes this ground holy because he's here for you, for your family, for your needs, for your situation. You see, he knows how and he knew how to get the pig pen and the prodigal out of the pig pen. He knew how to get the prophet out of the cave of discontent. He knew how to get Gideon out of hiding in a place of fear. He knew how to get Jeremiah out of a pit. But I'm going to tell you this morning, he is here. He's here in the face of McKenna, who is coming out of addiction. He's here in the face of Joel Bonanno, who is redeemed by King Jesus. He's here this morning in Leela Cantrell, because Jesus is making all things new for her he's here he's here the best days of America or this church are not behind us we got to shake off mediocrity we've got to get complacency gone I don't know what revival might look like but I know that prodigals will come home I know the mature will be blessed I know that the young children will prophesy I know that the young people will be bold I know there will be new songs sung there will be tears of joy and leaps of joy because God is still God and God don't ever change give him a shout of praise in this house so in closing you've not seen your best days yet shake off complacency and believe him for Goel the redeemer purchased you off the slave market but he redeems Jesus continually rescues me and redeems me. Our Redeemer is strong. What do you need to give him in closing prayer this morning? I want you to ask yourself, well, that was great, boy. That was fun to watch you. My kids are like, I can't believe mom did that. And you know what? I could care less what they think. Um, long time of doing that uh, with most everybody. I love the early days when Pastor Hank, I mean, he had like 17 verses and he would just keep going. He did it all over the nation. I know God is God. But today in closing, 
what do you need to resolve? What needs to be recycled? You can separate it all the time, but if you don't give it to him, it's going to sit in your garage of your heart for the rest of your life. You say, here it is, King Jesus. I've, I've given him some things this last 48 hours that I've worked on this message. He is the Redeemer. Every eye is closed. Father God, for whatever you want us to give you this morning, give us the courage to give it to you. Lord, as every man and woman in this room is thinking, Holy Spirit, you're the one who shines the light on the dark places. What do we need to resolve, Lord? Maybe it's fear, bitterness, intimidation, insecurity, anger, disappointment, maybe all of the above, battles in our mind, battles in our heart. And we want to give those to you, King Jesus. Lord, right now, as we focus on those things, and as you do, brothers and sisters, I want you just to see yourself giving them to him. You don't have to see him. I'm not asking you for that kind of imagination. But just see the things that you feel. I just want to pray that right now you would just hold your hands out in front of you, everyone in the room. Just hold your hands out in front of you. Lord King Jesus, here it is. Here's the things I need to resolve. I want my season to change. Lord, so I give these things to you. I ask you to recycle them and take them and make me someone who brings healing to others. Make me someone who brings life and hope to others, Lord. The enemy has tried to stop me from believing my best days are ahead of me, Lord, and maybe fears put me on the slave market or intimidation or things, insecurity, whatever, my temperament. But Lord, you're coming to redeem me this morning because you redeemed us at Calvary with your precious blood that's incorruptible. So Christ, we put these in your hands, Lord, vicariously, which means in our heart we're giving it to you, Lord. Redeem every part of our life. Lord, we speak Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. Remember not the former things, neither consider the things of old. For behold, I, the Lord, will do a new thing. Can you not perceive it? I will make a river in the desert and streams in the wasteland. Lord, let the streams start flowing in this room among our brothers and sisters and those listening today by podcast. Minister to them, Jesus. Minister to them right where they are. In Jesus' name, and the church said, amen. Let's give him one more hand for his word. I just want to encourage you before I bless you to go, and that is to take a moment. If that didn't really work for you well, 